Praise the Lord, you guys. You know, I was planning on, and I didn't think about it when uh, last Sunday's message was supposed to be just one message, but I got just about halfway through my message and time just took off. I think that's because I had some video clips and so forth. And I just went like that. So I was going to preach the, that part two of that because we're getting into the whole big prophetic picture, right? So I was going to share part two of that particular message with you this coming Sunday as I thought about it when I thought, oh, next Sunday. Then my wife's like, oh, you know, you've got uh, Thanksgiving the following Thursday. And I always do by the grace of God, you know, a Thanksgiving message before Thanksgiving. And I definitely want to do that. So that doesn't mean I move that part two to today. That wouldn't be fair to people that missed the Wednesday night fellowship and we're expecting that on a Sunday. So we'll do that on a, um, another Sunday right after that, hopefully. So we'll do Thanksgiving message Sunday. And we should always be giving thanks, amen. amen. And I just think, when I, whenever Thanksgiving comes up, I get excited about, you know, uh, Thanksgiving and just because it's something I know is just so right and I think it's such a biblical holiday because we're called to give thanks at all times amen? amen and so I look forward to doing those messages as well to really encourage the fellowship uh, and then the Sunday after that I'll do part two of that deal but you know what we have uh, there's so many crazy things going on and I kind of left a lot of people hanging so uh, what I'm going to do is still talk about you know what's going the crazy things going on in the world and I just hope, uh, I think this is going to be, this message is going to trip you out because uh, the Bible is so relevant to today. And it's really, how many of you have found what's going on in Israel and with Hamas and Iran with its, its you know, proxy states uh, and all the chaos going on in our country being embroiled in it with, you know, aircraft carriers in that region of the world and uh, Russia and China speaking up and warnings going everywhere. Uh, Iran warning us. Uh, about 50 of our bases almost or so right around there attacked hundreds of people of our servicemen wounded many with severe brain injuries these things are taking place uh, to our countrymen um, how many of you have found that this has been an opportunity where you're able to share your faith a little bit or share what's going on with people anybody all of us hopefully to one degree or another everybody's talking about it and it's so relevant to our own walks today and we need to apply God's word and share it with other people and say, hey, God's word actually speaks to what's going on today. And it's a great opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So this message, uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> I just trip out on how relevant the Bible is. It's living. It's the living word of God. Amen? And uh, it's so relevant to what's going on now because it, and tomorrow because it tells the future. It's more relevant than we are, for sure, you know, because God's, you know, knows the, the, the future as well. So the name of this message is called Hamas and the Days of Noah. Hamas and the Days of Noah. What does Hamas have to do with the Days of Noah? Everything. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 and 37, but of that day and that hour, no one knows, meaning of his return, we know the times and seasons because a few verses before that, he said in verse 29 through 31 that he'd come immediately after the tribulation and then he'd gather his elect from the four winds of heaven. Amen. But at the exact day and hour, he said, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father alone. And then in verse 37, he says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like it was, or be just like the days of Noah. Now, on one hand, uh, the days of Noah are going to be incredibly violent. They were, and it'll be like that again. Incredibly perverse, which they were, and it's already like that again. I got a great question, by the way, from a brother last night. I was fellowshipping with a few brothers, Jonathan Ball, and uh, great to see him from Mexico, uh, and fellowship with him and Nate. They were up here, and we got, had a good meeting yesterday, and then we went out to eat after a long, long meeting. And we had that meeting also uh, with Brother James Jackson and his wonderful daughter, Bella, was there. I, th I think I just saw Bella. Maybe she went upstairs. Oh, there, you're over there. You just, you don't want to sit with your dad, you know, sit with Holly. You know, I get it. You just want to plane all the way up with him, right? You know? Uh, but uh, we had a great time, you know, and we had a lot of questions came up, and Jonathan mentioned, he said, hey, you know, I got a great question from someone, and, and I want to see how you'd answer that. He's like, uh, how, uh, and it's from another prospective pastor, and he said, how would you answer that, you know, 
as things get uglier and uglier in the tribulation period, you know, it says that they'll be saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them, right? As travail upon a woman with child, they will not escape. And the person was saying, how can people be saying peace and safety just before the second coming comes with second destruction, or with sudden destruction, you know? And uh, it's a great question, it really is. Because like, well, things are just, you know, all hell is going to break loose. Literally, you'll have, you know, demonic entities from not, well, from hell or from the abuso so being set free to torment people and it's going to be really crazy during those times that's those people that have the mark of the beast though and i and i and i'll give you the short answer because i want to get into the other scriptures but uh i mentioned think about matthew 24 you know paul uses that same imagery of of, of jesus coming like a thief in the night right in matthew 24 that that paul used in first thessalonians 5 that that day will not take you over overtake you like a thief right why because you are not in darkness that that day he says should overtake you as a thief but you're children of the light children of the day amen so we'll be aware we'll see the signs we won't those christians who are paying attention you know watch out for those bridesmaids who fell asleep and had no oil some will fall asleep and the the world will be in such a state to where uh they'll be saying peace and safety and that's because sometimes we get a picture of the tribulation where there's just so much chaos on every inch of the globe where everybody's just wilting away when we forget that jesus said right before his coming it'd be like the days of noah and one of the things he said about the days of noah is that they'll be marrying and they'll be given in marriage they'll be building right a lot of life will go on as normal. There'll be a lot of rebuilding going on, right? Because of certain things that have happened on the earth, a lot of destruction. But people are still getting married and, and so forth. And they're going to be saying of the beast, you know, who can make war with him? They think he's their champion. He's their Goliath until Jesus returns. Amen. And even when Jesus is about to return, the beast and the false prophet with their armies assemble in the Valley of Megiddo, right? And Jehoshaphat to fight against Christ at his second coming. So, uh, it's interesting, and I mentioned that in chapter 18, verse 6 of Revelation, right before Christ's second coming, just before Babylon is destroyed, and then the second coming, he says, come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her, what? Sins and her plagues. And Babylon's living it up. So even during the end of the age, uh, in the tribulation period, there's still a party-like atmosphere with a lot of the lost world. Oh, a lot of them are getting grievous sores because of taking the mark of the beast, and there's judgments being poured out on different parts of the earth, but it's not until the very end where the whole thing goes up in flames, and Christ's wrath is ultimately poured out. Amen? So having said that, and I wasn't even planning on bringing that up, but I thought, wow, we talked about the days of Noah in another context yesterday, uh, but also when you look at what the Bible says about the days of Noah and how Jesus said it'll be like the days of Noah, uh, you have to go to Genesis chapter 6 and see what it was it like in the days of Noah get a little more detail so go to genesis chapter 6 and let's look at that and the name again the name of this message is hamas and uh the days of noah and by the way one of the things i point out as well at the end of revelation 19 near not or i should say near the end of the book of revelation in chapter 19 verses 7 through 9 his bride has finally made herself ready amen She's not ready for the rapture until the end of the tribulation is coming and Jesus is about ready to come on verse 11 as white horse with the armies of heaven. Amen? So, so there's a lot going on in that. And she's made ready, I believe, because he's called her out of Babylon and, uh, and it's given to her to wear white clothes, you know, bright and clean and so forth because she's being purified. Uh, first and foremost, you're purified by the blood of Christ. Right? That's how you're saved. But God uses tribulation, uh, heat, and... Uh, struggle uh, to test us and to purify our characters. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about that. Can't wait till we finally get into the book of James and look at some of what God does through trials, even though we talk about that quite often. Genesis 6 verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them. So one of the things that's happened in the days of Noah is people began to multiply, right? Do you know the last hundred years there's been a... a <laughs> a boom, a population explosion like never before. The last 150 years, there was a fraction of the people that are alive today alive 150 years ago. Just the earth has been filled with people just like it had been in the days of Noah. The sons of God, verse 2, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Uh, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. 
that would be like the tops. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. We don't have time to break all this down because I want to talk about Hamas and how it relates to uh, the days of Noah and where we're at now in regard to the prophetic picture. But I will say this, that uh, before this, uh, the book of Jude gives commentary on what's going on here. Some believe the sons of God are the the descendants of Seth and the daughters of men are the descendants of Cain and it's just God followers having relations with non-God followers. And so all of Cain's all of Seth's, I'm sorry, the sons of Seth were the, uh, the, the uh, children of God and the descendants of Cain <laughs> were the daughters of men. Uh, as though all of Seth's descendants were, were God-fearing, you know. It doesn't even work out that in your physical family here on earth today. With, you know, it's very rare that everybody in your family follows the Lord, you know. But uh, the way this sons of God, this term in Hebrew, Benai Elohim, it's only used five times in the entire Old Testament. And the four other times it's used, it's used of angels every other time sons of God there and but then when you get to Jude you kind of get the uh, the, you get the New Testament Holy Spirit inspired commentary of what was going on there and Jude talks about how you know that the angels did not keep their first estate but abandoned their proper abode right and went after strange flesh he goes on to say in the same way in Sodom the cities around them right they also what did they do they went after strange flesh as well they went after they committed sexual sin so there seems to be the, the implication is pretty clear in the book of Jude. He's comparing what the Sodomites were doing. And by, it's in, by the way, it's kind of interesting because the Sodomites were actually going after what? Who were they going after to have sex with? Angels. angels. Isn't that weird? It's kind of reverse of what happened here. Now, whether this is angels taking on human form, because they can do that biblically. We see that. They have that power. God's given that. that or whether it's simply demonic possession uh, you know, like sex magic, so-called, and demonic entities uh, possessing human beings, which happens today all the, t- all the time in the occult and so forth, uh, with what so-called incubuses and succubuses, and I'm not saying there's male and female spirits, that's how they define them in the occult, but there's definitely a lot going on with the demonic world and so forth. Uh, and so I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty of that. We've done studies on that, but I want because I want to keep going, but I didn't want to go through that and say, why did he talk about that? I want to say something about that. Well, go and see what Jude says about that. And by the way, there is, you know, people differ on this view. This is not something you divide over, whether it was sons of Seth and, you know, uh, you know, the daughters of Cain or whether it was fallen angels or not. I will say this, though. I think Jude personally makes it pretty clear. I've probably got, I don't know, maybe 30, 30 commentaries or so, right around 25, 30 on the book of Jude. And every one of them acknowledges that Jude is saying this was fallen angels. He's talking about what happened here, you know. Uh, and that's the New Testament commentary. I will also say that for hundreds of years prior to uh, Jude writing about that and a few hundred years, at least 250 years after that with regard to the church fathers, it was unanimous. Everybody understood it to be fallen angels, okay? It was, the, the other views came up later. Anyway, uh, what's crazy about it is we keep reading, we read in verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, is that happening today? And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. The Lord, I mean, think of what people are doing and what they're watching these days continually, you know? The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man from uh, whom I have created from the face of the land, from, one, uh, from man uh, to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And he did that with a flood, amen? He brought judgment, amen? And if you go riding with uh, Johnny and the Narrow Road Riders, you know? Uh, you guys, do we call them, call them the Narrow Road Riders? It's, you know, I know we're basically that's what they are, uh, is you'll see sometimes we're able to find shells up right in our mountains. You gotta drive 45 minutes to get to the beach from here. Yeah, we've got shells on our highest mountains. Come on, you guys. Oh, there was no worldwide flood. Where's the evidence? Just go to the mountains, man. You know? Uh, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Praise God for his grace. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, Now, the earth uh, was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with what? Violence. 
God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for the flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Uh, he destroyed every you know, human being and almost all you know, land animals. I mean, he brought animals on board, of course, to save the animals and so forth. Uh, we don't have a whole long time to talk about the flood, but because I want to get to the kind of heavy stuff I want to talk to you about here, but God flooded the earth, and he's not going to flood the earth again with, the, uh, with water. He uses the rainbow that he created as a symbol of his grace that he won't flood the earth with water. But he did say he would judge the wicked again. People can think, oh good, we can just do whatever we want. Because Peter said, next time it will be by fire. Amen? It'll be by fire. And the Bible tells us that wickedness and perversion and violence and sexual sin, which we're seeing in the text before us, would prevail on the earth again. And Jesus said lawlessness would increase, right? Paul said terrible times would come. He said people would be treacherous, right? And it's interesting. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, I mean, the tribulations go on, and if, if God didn't stop the tribulation at the end, if he didn't, at the end of the 42 months, 1260 days, some believe he'll be shorter than 1260 days, and he'll shorten it, uh, meaning it won't go as long as 1260 days. I don't agree with that theory because long after Jesus says that, the book of Revelation is written. In the book of Revelation, it tells us how long it is, you know. So it being shortened means it's not going to go on for a thousand years or a hundred years. The Antichrist is only going to reign for 42 months. Then his reign will be terminated. Uh, so Jesus says, except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. No flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake. Those days shall be what? Shortened. Aren't you grateful for that? Not everyone will be wiped out. In fact, when Jesus comes back, he says, Paul says, the dead in Christ will rise first, right? Then we who are alive and remain, there will be those still alive, remain, will be caught up to meet them in the air at his, at his coming. Amen? Amen. That's, that's quite exciting. Now, this is what's interesting. He, Jesus is talking about a time coming where no flesh would be saved if he did not intervene. Was that possible even 100 years ago? Not without nuclear weapons, it wasn't, you know. Is it possible today? Several times over. Uh, and why do you think Israel, when you have Iran, which is threatened to destroy all of Israel and wants to destroy all of Israel because it's part of the Muslim quest to dominance, uh, wanting nuclear weapons, you can understand why Israel has pleaded with us as their ally not to succumb to their desires and allow them to get nukes. It's one thing to, for you know, Muslims to strap bombs on children and send them in to uh, destroy, you know, blow up buses and innocent people. It's another thing to send nukes to a country. Uh, now, it's interesting because we're talking about a time when no flesh would be saved if Jesus did not intervene. And we do know that not just Iran, but all the nations of the earth will one day surround Israel in the quest to destroy her. And it's really interesting when you think about this because uh, Iran is a huge country with a lot of power. They're one of the world powers, one of the most powerful nations on earth that does not apparently quite yet, but getting super close, have nukes. And they are using the Houthis in Yemen. They're using Hezbollah in Lebanon. They're using Hamas as their proxy in the Gaza Strip. Uh, and they have many, many allies whereby they want to destroy Israel. Now you know, Zechariah 12 says that in the end of days, the nations, these wicked nations, will surround Israel, seeking to destroy her. By the way, Israel wasn't a nation, <laughs> and God said they'd become a nation again, and that, that, that would be the end time setup. It's like that, like nowhere else on earth. Tell me another nation that's sur surrounded by a bunch of another, uh, Muslim nations that want to destroy it right now. I mean, I can show you all kinds of prophecies that only fit Israel. It's just a trip. But in Zechariah 14, the nations, it says, will fire their weapons at each other. And guess what? There'll be great conflagration of fire 
So much so that people are, who are standing on their feet, it says, when all the nations surround Israel, their eyes will be consumed while they're standing. Their tongues will be consumed out of their mouths while they're still standing. By the way, could that happen a hundred and some years ago? No, not then, right? But yes, now. You said yes too quick, but I knew exactly what you meant, bro. Yes, it can happen, but now, right? So, uh, which is crazy, you know? And, you know, people would read that and say, what's this talking about? And everything is just being set up quite, quite interestingly. And uh, now you have violence increasing throughout the world. Incredible violence. And it's coming our way, you know? And Hamas, uh, you know, what, think about what they did. They went in and roughly took about 1,400 people out and taking many and wounding many other people. Like 5,000 people altogether were killed and wounded that day, that first day. Took all kinds of people, kidnapped little kids, shot little kids, you know, cut little babies out of wombs and killed them. They found 40 babies beheaded, okay? Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of the old lady with Alzheimer's, the Jewish lady that they were parading around that they captured, you know? Another lady practically naked, just a, another lady being pulled around by the hair, and they were hopped up on Capitan, a, a drug, and like zombies, uh, the, and just filled with violence and filled with pharmacia, which the Bible talks about as well. Now, this is really, really interesting because some of you may have heard by now, but the word, the name, the word Hamas has a very interesting meaning. Hamas. You know what Hamas means? Some of you have to know by now. Uh, I, Carol, if you answer, you might say it might mean never, right? As, as, that's what you're going to say, Diane? Never. In, in Spanish, right? I don't know how that relates to this study, but, it, you know, it, I'm not, you know, I know very few good Spanish words, you know. I learned the bad ones when I was, before I was a Christian, and I, don't, and I haven't said them since, since I became a Christian. But Hamas means never in, in a Spanish, but it's very interesting. Hamas that deadly terrorist group that runs Gaza, that, that has been elected and actually beat, booted the PLO out of there years ago and came into existence in 1987 and wants to destroy all of Israel and has as their charter, do you remember their charter? This is Hamas's charter, in case you haven't heard. If you have heard, it's worth hearing again to know what these guys are about. Remember, they rejected a two-state solution. Jewish prime ministers have said, okay, wait, we'll let you, let you guys become a country. And what has historically been our land, we'll let you do that. I'm not saying that was good either. But they've tried to do that over and over again with various prime ministers. But it's been rejected by Hamas. Why? Because they want to destroy the Jews. Because according to Islam, you have to understand this. This is what you're not getting on the news, guys. You're not hearing this on MSNBC. You're not hearing this on, on CNN. You know, they're not pointing out to you that Hamas is hell-bent on destroying uh, all, all the Jews and that Muslims believe that they can't rule until they take Israel. And the Hamas charter says, and this is, by the way, this is uh, Article 7. The conclusion of Article 7, uh, uh, the charter concludes with the quotation from the Hadith, supposedly from Muhammad, that says this, the day of judgment will not come until Muslims fight the Jews. When the Jew will hide behind stones and trees, the stones and trees will say, O Muslim, O servant of God, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. Okay? That's in the Hamas's official charter, guys. How do you make peace with that? Yet, do you know the millions of young people who are being bankrolled, by the way, it just was outed, a multi-millionaire tech people that are putting a lot of that money up to, to, get, to get these uh, uh, protests going for pro-Palestine, right? And all this anti-Semitism, hatred toward Jews, is, uh, a lot of money's going toward that. But a lot of these young people don't even know what Hamas is. And if you read this stuff to them, so keep in mind, you know, I was talking to James yesterday, and James was like, wow, when I realized, because I don't know if you saw the video, there's a video going around where there's a guy saying, oh, you want to help Hamas and want to sign up that you support what they believe in? And then they start reading what they believe in. You know, LGBTQs, you guys are thrown off the buildings. You know, you're killed and so forth. And people go, no, I didn't know it was that. And it just shows you that people are like lemmings, man. They don't test things. They just follow, you know. And James says, it gave him a heart to realize a lot of these people, and I appreciated that, James, that a lot of these people are just deceived. 
And they just, they're clueless. They don't even have a clue what they're supporting. The ones that know what they're supporting and still want to support the death of all the Jews and so forth, well, then they're just wicked. So you got a choice. You're going to march with Palestine, right? You're either going to be for wickedness or ignorant. I don't think you want to be either, amen? So it's really, really heartbreaking what's going on. Now, what's really crazy is, this is what's crazy, is the Sabbath after October 7th, when the massacre, Hamas massacre took place. The Jews gathered together in a day like no other days because they hadn't seen such destruction among their people since the Holocaust. Even during the wars on their land, not in one day like that. And they sat down to read Torah. And they sat down, their reading for that Shabbat, that Sabbath, was on Noah or Noah. And they read just what we just read. And you know what they would have read in Hebrew? Go to chapter, go to Hebrews chapter, or Genesis, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. But they're reading in Hebrew. You know, when you get to the word Hebrew, and now most of these guys are reading Hebrew, you know what the word for violence is in Hebrew right there? Hamas. So they're reading the Hebrew, the Shabbat, right after this whole thing went down. Can you imagine? No wonder a lot of the Jews are turning the Bible right now. And they're reading this. They go, wow, the world's going to be filled with violence. Look at the violence. Oh, it's going to be filled with Hamas. The Hebrew word for Hamas is the same as the Arabic word for Hamas with a, with a different meaning, which we'll talk about in a moment. Very interesting. The word Hamas means typically, most often, Violence violence and the world will be filled with violence but it's interesting isn't it interesting that your bible my bible in the hebrew says it'll be filled with what or it was filled with what hamas and jesus said as it was in the days of noah it will be again amen before he comes back and if he didn't come back nobody would no flesh would be saved amen, amen. are you with me tonight Somebody is telling me, I've got visitors, we've got visitors, and they're like, I wish our pastors, I wish pastors would teach on this stuff that you're teaching on. And they're excited and everything. And I'm like, how could you not teach on this stuff? I mean, you know, praise God, we have live stream. We've got, you know, praise God, a lot of people that get touched through ministry. And there's, praise God, there are pastors dealing with it. And thank you, Lord, raise them up, you know. Uh, so, but it's really heartbreaking. Now, it's interesting. Look at verse 13, right after that, two verses later. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence, filled with Hamas, the second time it's used in the Old Testament, because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with uh, the earth. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, don't think, wait, Hamas was around then? Hamas, no, I'm not saying that. That's not what the text is saying. Hamas is simply the Hebrew word for what? Violence. And who their most violent, what's the most violent terrorist network on earth that wants to see both, not just Jews, by the way, Christians destroyed, many of them. Hamas. Violence. Now keep in mind, Israel's called the little Satan. Guess what you're called? Guess what our country's called? The great Satan. Okay, the big, we're the great Satan. And you don't think they don't want you destroyed as well? Yeah, they want you destroyed. They think of the United States as, when they think United States, they think of Christianity, many of them. United States is not Christianity, okay? Do you have a secular job? Do most of them love Jesus? No, okay. Most, are most of our politicians Jesus lovers? No. You know, pray for them though. But the scriptures warn about, uh, you know, Hamas violence in the end of days and it's just very interesting that they use the name Hamas now the tie-ins get really really crazy and that's what I want to dive in uh, with you in regard to uh, to a degree uh, but a little bit more in regard to the word there okay uh, and so forth because I think it's important that we understand uh, we understand you don't leave here because a lot of people are saying the word Hamas in, in Arabic means violence. No, the word in Hamas in Arabic doesn't mean violence. Okay? So a lot of Christians are saying that right now. It's like, we've got to be more theologically and historically accurate and precise. But the tie-in is even greater and more interesting to me because they have a different spin on that word. 
makes it even more fascinating as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now, uh, it's interesting. The Arabic noun, according to the uh, Gesenius Hebrew lexicon, means warlike. Okay? Uh, means warlike. Now, I'm not talking about the Hebrew word now. I'm talking about the Arabic word Hamas now. According to the uh, Gesenius Hebrew lexicon, uh, the Arabic noun means warlike or valor. Okay? So it can be used in a positive sense from an Arabic perspective. Uh, and it's interesting because the, uh, the uh, Hamas basically is derived for, as an acronym from uh, the... Uh, uh, it's an acronym with kind of, kind of... Hamas in Arabic almost has like a double meaning because it's an acronym of the Arabic words that mean the, the Islamic resistance movement, Okay. The Islamic resistance movement. If I try to read the Arabic there, I'm going to butcher it, okay? But uh, it means, so Hamas stands for, or the acronym is the Islamic resistance movement, right? But it's just a, a resistance that wants to see a bunch of people destroyed. And keep in mind, when the last imam rises and makes a seven-year pack, a picture, he's really picture the Antichrist, uh, not only are the Jews going to be destroyed in Israel, not only is he going to set up his throne, according to Muslims, on the Temple Mount, which is what the Bible says the Antichrist will do, but also uh, his false prophet, the one he claims is a prophet, the, the Isa, which very possibly could be a pope, you know, because uh, he'll claim to be representing Christianity, but he'll speak like a dragon, he'll speak Satan's words. Uh, uh, the scriptures say that he will break the cross, come against Christianity. So this is all, be, all a big setup. But it's interesting here when you think about this because uh, so the letters, okay, are HMS from the, the acronym, from the Islamic resistance movement, HMS. And so they derive Hamas from that. And it's, which works great because Hamas means valor, uh, warlike, uh, can mean enthusiasm, zeal, bravery. I've seen it translated with the Arabic understanding in various ways. I think this is really, really interesting because keep in mind, Arabs have descended from Abraham as well. Okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You look at their descendants like uh, Edom and, and uh, Amalek and so forth. You have the descendants of Esau, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But from Isaac, you have, you know, you have uh, uh, Esau, right? And Jacob. And from Esau, you have the Edomites come from Esau. Okay, the Amalekites come from Esau and so forth, and they opposed Israel for many, many years because they weren't descendants of Jacob, but were descendants of Abraham and Isaac. But Jacob, through Jacob, came the 12 tribes and came Israel, right? So it's really interesting when you think about this uh, because this is what's interesting they're both Semitic languages the same family of languages, Arabic and Hebrew. Do you understand? So you have their, their sister languages. So you, what you have when you look at their languages is you have, uh, you have words that they share that are the same, like Hamas. But isn't it interesting when the Bible uses the word Hamas and it uses it about 60 times, it's always in a negative way. And isn't it interesting that when Israel looks at Hamas, it's in a very negative way. But the spin on that word that developed through the years with regard to a lot of the Arab population in Arabic is one of zeal, you know, valor, bravery. So how do many of the Muslims look at what these terrorists Hamas did? They're celebrating it. Are you understand? And the Bible says in, in, in Isaiah chapter 5 that time would come when they would call good evil and evil good, right? They put light for darkness and darkness for light. And I just think it's very interesting that even the word Hamas, you know, just think about how our rainbow, right, is now used by LGBTQ, right? As though it's a symbol for perverted sexual acts, you know? Well, the word Hamas took on two different meanings, and it's fascinating to me because the way God looks at not only the word Hamas and uses it throughout the inspired text 60 times in the Old Testament, 60 times, interesting, is always in a negative way. Yet Muslims 
It's a positive thing. Not just the word can be positive, although there's, there's examples in Arabic writings where it's used in a negative way, but when they talk about Hamas, many Muslims celebrate what they're doing. And I just think all this is really fascinating. I, and I don't believe this is a coincidence either. Think of it this way. The last final empire, right, will be this, in Revelation chapter 13, this beast that looks like a lion and a, and a bear and a leopard with, ten he- with seven heads and ten horns, right? And it's the Antichrist kingdom, right? It's wild beast. That's how God portrays the last kingdom. And when you look at Daniel chapter 7, when Daniel describes Iran and Iraq, or Iraq first, the head of gold, and Iran, right? The, the, the chest and the arms of silver and, and so forth. When you look at how it's viewed in the vision or the dream that God gives to Nebuchadnezzar, it says this picturesque, beautiful statue. Isn't that interesting? That same kingdom in the eyes of Iran and Iraq in the end of days will seem glorious, like this big, beautiful, powerful statue. But in God's eyes, when he gives Daniel a vision of the same empire in the end, and it's just the end of that empire, those ten toes and so forth, of the iron mixed with the clay, the final manifestation of Satan's empire. It's this beautiful statue when Nebuchadnezzar has his dream. But when God reveals how he looks at it, it's what? It's a wild beast that's untamed and vicious that tears apart its prey. Hence, my point that hit me like a ton of bricks, I thought. Because I've been meditating on these, the, the statue, right? And the wild beast. And, how, how, and I think it's fascinating how God shows two different perspectives. And I thought when I was studying the word Hamas, I thought, and I thought too many Christians are ignoring the reality that actually the Arabs don't look at the word Hamas as being evil violence. And I thought, ooh, that fits exactly with the image versus the beast. And it shows you there'll be a strong delusion where people even think, Jesus said, they're doing God's service when they're putting us to death. Isn't that interesting? John chapter 16. Are you with me? According to the Hebrew-English uh, volume of Reuben Alkalay's uh, Hebrew-English dictionary, Hamas means violence, uh, cruelty, and injustice in Hebrew now. Now we're talking about in Hebrew. And it speaks of acts of aggression, especially with physical contact. It's what the word Hamas means in Hebrew. And now check how it's used in the King James Bible, the word Hamas. It comes up 60 times in the King James Version. It's translated in the King James Bible uh, as violence 39 times. We saw the first two times in Genesis 6.11 and Genesis 6.13. It's translated with the word violent, not violence, but just violent seven times. Cruelty, four times. Wrong, three times. False, two times. Cruel, one time. Damage, one time. Injustice, one time. Oppressor, one time. And unrighteous, one time. Uh, Other translations, like for instance, Deuteronomy 19.16, if a malicious witness rises up, you know, and the word malicious there is translated from the word Hamas. So Hamas stood for wickedness, it stood, stood for injustice, it stood for uh, uh, maliciousness, uh, more, you know, usually with a violent type of intent. The Hebrew Midrash, the Midrash are ancient commentaries of the Old Testament by rabbis. The ancient Midrash, uh, uh, a commentary on, on Bible text defines Hamas as violence, murder, and complete moral destruction. Okay? In the Old Testament context, because I've done word studies on this word, it's fascinating, uh, uh, not only deals with physical violence, but also sin and injustice against God and his people. That's how that word's used. It's very fascinating when you think of Hamas and the group that calls itself Hamas. They're standing against the living God. And they're messing with the very people of God, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who God promised the land of Israel. And he said he'd put this land and the name on Israel and Jerusalem forever. Amen? And he has a plan for Jerusalem forever. By the way, the word Hamas is used of something before that happened before the Genesis flood, though. You say, wait a minute, are you contradicting yourself? Didn't you just say the first time you see it is in Genesis 6.11 and 6.13? Yeah, that's the first time you see it. But it's used of violence that took place actually before that 
later in the Bible when it's written about another incident that happened before that. What violent act happened before, you know? But Genesis chapter 6, you know, that it might be talking about, well, listen to this. This is Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 16. It's talking about Satan, the anointed cherub, Lucifer, and his fall. And it says, by the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with Hamas. The Bible says, Jesus said in John 8, 44, Satan's the father of lies, and he was a murderer from the beginning. And the scriptures say he was filled with Hamas, violence. Isn't that interesting? I thought, man, I'm going to have a good time studying because if this shows up 60 times in the Old Testament, there'd be a lot of light to be found with the word Hamas. And I thought, wow, the first time you see the word Hamas, as far as not where it's recorded in the Bible, but in an incident historical in the cosmos is when Satan fell. And it says, when Satan fell, Ezekiel 28, 16, he was anointed cherub, right? And he was found perfect in all his ways. But then it found, he was lifted up in pride. And it says, Lucifer's heart was filled with what? Violence. What's the word there? Hamas. And then the first great judgment of God came. Little test. Genesis 6.11. Genesis 6.13. Because the world was filled with what? Filled with Hamas. Filled with violence. Interesting. This is why you don't want to miss Bible study, guys. You know? Wouldn't it be great if they actually talked about this stuff on CNN and MSNBC and, you know, and let us do some word studies and so forth and uh, listen to uh, the scripture. The enemies of God's anointed, God's people, uh, God's Messiah, ultimately, are described in Psalm 27, 12, and it says, Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out Hamas, violence. Well, it's interesting. How, how, why is Hamas so hard to get a hold of? What are they doing? In, I mean, why is Israel having such a hard time rooting them out? Because they're doing what? Hiding. Where are they hiding? Underground in tunnels and so forth. And, right? It's interesting. Listen to Psalm chapter 74, verse 20. Consider the covenant. For the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of Hamas. That's very interesting. Or the habitations of violence. Okay? Again, he's not speaking literally of Hamas when that's written. But there's the spirit of Hamas. Amen? The spirit of violence. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And his heart was filled with violence. Amen? He corrupted the earth. The earth became filled with Hamas. He was filled with Hamas. And then the greatest terrorist ex uh, uh, network on the earth is called, calls itself Hamas. Very interesting. Listen to this. It's uh, Psalm 11.5 says, The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence, or Hamas, his soul hates. Okay? If you love violence and you want to see the Jews destroyed, God hates you. He is. If you're listening to me right now, I love you, man. God loves you so much he sent his son to you. But guess what? If you hate him and you hate his plan, guess what? There's also a hate going on too. A righteous anger of God toward your wickedness. And if you don't receive his son, you'll be judged, man. You'll be judged, man. You'll be cast into uh, the eternal fire with the devil and his angels. And there'll be no rest for you day and night forever and ever, man. You must repent before it's too late. And the scriptures warn. Listen to this warning. Okay? And I think this is really interesting because it's the warning of judgment, okay? And the warning of judgment is on the Edomites, okay? Uh, in Obadiah, verse 10, it says, because of violence, or because of Hamas, in Hebrew, to your brother Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel. Israel. Woo! Check that out. Obadiah 1.10, because of violence, Hamas, to your brother Jacob, Israel, you will be coveted uh, or covered with shame and you will be cut off forever. That's heavy, guys. You'll be cut off forever. Pray 
for the Palestinians that are filled with hate. Because not only are their own lives miserable because they're so consumed with hate, but they're going to be cut off forever, according to the Word of God. Well, by the way, it's written way before the Quran, man. The Quran just was a counterfeit that came later that tried to, a war manual against Jews and Christians, which denies the Son of God who gave himself for us. And after the Quran was written, you know, and the Quran was written, oh, the scriptures, they called us the people of the book. Jews and Christians, the people of the book. Ask the people of the book, Muhammad said. See if these things are true. Yeah, ask us. We'll say, no, they're not true. But then they said, oh, well, the scriptures can't be trusted. They got corrupted. Really? We have all kinds of biblical manuscripts that go way back to the earliest centuries of church history. And in the earliest manuscripts that we have, Jesus is called the Son of God. And Jesus died for our sins. Amen. And that was a testimony of the earliest church fathers, right? In the latter part of the first century and the second century. That's the testimony of the apostles themselves. They can't give us texts of scripture that says the opposite. These are lies from the pit of hell. Go to Joel chapter 3. Go to Joel chapter 3. Because what they want to do, you guys, is they want to divide up God's land. Amen? They want to divide up the land. In fact, when the UN, the nations gathered together and said, okay, we'll let Israel go back to the land after almost 2,000 years. They even divided up then, you know, between the east and the west. They divided up Jerusalem. In fact, the Temple Mountain, that whole area was given to, you know, Muslims. They lost it in the 1967 war when they tried to obliterate the Jews. And the, then the Jews said, wait, man, we're, we're going to root you out of this area where you're trying to destroy us. And that's why the Jews now, uh, although you go on the Temple Mount, it's still Muslims ruling on the Temple Mount. Really, really fascinating. Very, very interesting. Now, when you go to Joel chapter 3, look at verses 1 and 2. For behold, in those days, talking about the end, of, end days, still coming, future now, and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, which he's already begun to do, brought them back to the land, right? Verse 2, I will gather all the what? Nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will enter into judgment with them, there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have what? Scattered among the nations. And they have what? Divided up my land. His land's divided this very day, guys. That's what they're all fighting over. In fact, now go to verse 19. Look at what it says. Very interesting. Because all this judgment's going to come. Egypt will become a waste. And Edom, that's the descendants of Esau. Many Arabs uh, descended from Esau and also from uh, Amalek, right? Uh, Egypt will become a waste and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the what? Guess what the Hebrew word is there? because of the Hamas done to the sons of Judah, Israel, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. You know why I do studies on this? Because we need studies like this, amen? amen. We're learning a lot of things we haven't learned so far on this, huh? I think we should be, I think Christians should be the most knowledgeable people on the subject of what's going on in the Middle East right now. I have no doubt about it. God's given us His Word. You guys have... We're the only, we have the prophetic word. We're the only ones that have it. Amen? It's telling us what's going on here. And you think God said, wow, it's weird that I use that word Hamas and it's all in play today? No, he does that on purpose. You understand? It's pretty amazing. You have a powerful God, man. You have a really, really powerful God. Uh, now, it's interesting because I brought up the Amalekites, you know. Now, keep in mind, I brought up Iran. Iran is typified in that now keep in mind, those, the head of gold, the, the breast of silver, the belly of bronze, the, the legs of iron, and the feet with the iron mixed with the clay and ten toes, those are successive empires. But it's interesting, when the rock comes, the stone comes, they'll all be destroyed together. And that's because even though they're successive empires, in the last manifestation of those empires, there's an amalgamation, as you'll see, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the one after, when I show you, it's an amalgamation of those powers which are amalgamating right now. Iran with Iraq, with Syria, and also with Russia right now at this point. And that brings Gog and Magog into play and so forth, which we don't have time to get into in this study. I did a study on Gog and Magog a couple years back, a few years, maybe two and a half, three years ago or so. I don't know exactly when, but you can do a search for it. 
uh, on our, in our, for our messages, because I'm not going to preach that whole message again on Gog and Magog, but I get into Russia and so forth. And it's a heavy message when you look at uh, the etymology of certain words and you look at the, the nations that come with Gog. It's a picture of the Antichrist, and they're the Muslim nations today. It's a crazy, crazy what's going on, guys. But this is what's interesting in Joel 3. God's going to come into judgment with the people that have divided up his land, amen? And because of the Hamas they have done to his people in Judah. Amen? We have the word of God, man. And this is stuff that, by the way, keep in mind, do you know there's Muslims that totally disagree with what's going on with Hamas? Do you know there's footage they have right there in uh, Palestine, you know, or uh, the Gaza Strip, right, in Gaza? which they call Palestine. I don't like to call it Palestine, but I do for a reference because it's how people understand it. But uh, do you understand that they have footage of people condemning what Hamas is doing, knowing that these are thugs and these are criminals, you know? You have many, many Arabs that love Jesus, guys. There's Arabs in, in Gaza. There's Arabs throughout Israel. I know Arabs. I've met Israel's Arabs. I've fellowship with, with Arabs that love Jesus and totally are against with what's happening with regard with what Hamas is doing and understand. So it's not an ethnic thing, okay? However, it is true that we can be overshadowed by a spirit of Antichrist, no matter what ethnicity we are, and we can allow ourselves to be taken over, so we have to be very, very careful. And that's what's interesting when you think about the Amalekites. The Amalekites were the descendants of Amalek, who was a king, who was the descendant of uh, Esau as well, right? I think Eliphaz was, uh, or you can go back and look at uh, Esau's, uh, he was Esau's son's son, Eliphaz's son, and Arabs, Arabic as well, you know, the Amalekites. In fact, it's interesting though, because there's a mixture of the blood. You can't look at the Amalekites. Some people say, well, Hamas is the Amalekites. No, Hamas is a mixture of all kinds of different groups of people, and Gaza is a mixture of all kinds of Arabs and others and so forth. I can show you it's an Amalekite, right? Named Agag, who Saul was supposed to put to death the Amalekites, right? Why? Do you remember what happened? Why did God not want to have, to have any mercy in the Amalekites? Think about their story, okay? It's quite, quite fascinating. Because uh, I'll read a couple texts. God warned in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. Remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came from Egypt. Does anybody remember what the Amalekites did to the Jews? What did they do, Jimmy? They plucked them off from the rear. They went after their elderly, their infirmed, their children, the ones that were trying to keep up, that were lagging behind, the older folks. And the Amalekites didn't want a straight-on war. Just like Hamas can't really do that today, or can they? One day the nations will surround Israel. And they plucked off in the, the, the straggling people, those who were, uh, and, and just started wiping out the civilians. Ooh, that sounds a lot like Hamas, the spirit of Hamas, doesn't it? That spirit is still alive today. In fact, the Lord says, remember what Amalek, this is Deuteronomy 25, 8 and 9, did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt, how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary, and uh, he did not fear God. Therefore it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance to possess. You shall not, or she says, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget, okay? And, you know, sometimes scholars will differ in what that means. The memory means to subjugate them fully. Others would, no, it means to fully wipe them out. I believe, you know, it meant to fully wipe them out because God did not offer any mercy to Amalek and the Amalekites. Why? Because they showed no mercy at all. They were so wicked and so depraved and so bent on wickedness that that wickedness would continue to prevail uh, for years to come if they weren't dealt with from the biblical perspective. In fact, uh, the Amalekites even terrorized King David. Uh, and uh, there, if you read the story about what happened at Ziklag, uh, that's where David's, you know, his family was taken. The wives and the families, the children were kidnapped and taken by the Amalekites. Does that sound familiar? What just happened in Israel with Hamas, right? And in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3, it says this, when David and his men came to the city, Samuel Ziklag, it says, behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. You know, an Iranian, 
or one that lived in Persia, an Amalekite, a descendant of King Agag. Because remember, King Saul didn't kill all the, uh, he was supposed to kill all the Amalekites, right? He got busted by God because he kept King Agag alive, the king of, right? The, the, the then king of the Amalekites. Isn't that crazy? He kept him alive in his family. And then they continued to prosper after that. And then another guy, a Malachite named Haman, tried to off all the Jews again in Iran, which is Persia then. And God used Esther and Mordecai and flipped the script on them. Amen? You see the parallels, you guys? It's crazy stuff. And the same spirit of the Malachites is alive today uh, through Hamas. And it's so interesting when you think of the scripture. In fact, uh, Deuteronomy 25, 19, Thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek, the grandson of Esau, okay, and the ancestor of many of the Arabs from under heaven. Deuteronomy 15, 19, uh, I just read, but now think of uh, some of these other scriptures, which I think are quite fascinating, is look what the Lord says here. And go, go, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Look what the Lord says he's going to do ultimately and eventually in the land of Israel. I think this is important. Israel chapter 60, verse 18. So we started with the days of Genesis, or the days of Noah, amen, when violence would fill the earth. And that's the first time you see the word Hamas in the Bible. We've talked about that. Now we're going full circle. The Lord, what did he do with Hamas? What did God do with Hamas in Genesis chapter 6? Violence. He, he judged it with a flood, amen? He will judge the current Hamas, the current violence, with fire. And guess what? He'll bring peace to his people because we read in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18, violence, what do you think the Hebrew word there is, guys? Hamas it is. Violence or Hamas will not be heard again in what? Your land, happy day, praise God. Nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Amen? That's awesome. Now, God provided an ark. Amen? He provided an ark for salvation of Noah and his family. And whoever would get on the ark, because it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Amen? Amen. He was a preacher of righteousness. And they had a lot of time to get right. But the world was filled with wickedness. And they didn't repent. Amen? But the ark was a safe haven from the coming deluge. And the ark was a picture of Christ, by the way. Amen. When you look at the ark, if you look at the dimensions of the ark, and you think about it floating in the water, if you looked from the sky high above, you know what it would look like? It would look like a huge coffin. Because... They were entered into the ark just like we've entered into Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? He was buried afterwards, right? He died for our sins and was buried. What happened to the ark? Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20, that Jesus Christ, who was put to death of flesh but made alive in the spirit, right? It says that he went and preached, announced his victory basically to the spirits that are now in prison that were disobedient in the days of Noah. And it talks about when the ark went through the water. In the Greek, it sucks through. It literally went through the water. So this casket went through the water. That was a picture of the burial, of Jesus' burial. And then it came up out of the water. And then what's interesting, when it was it landed and basically on dry land in Mount Ararat, if you look at the date that it landed, it, it, it corresponds with the resurrection of Christ in the springtime. It's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We've died in Him. Amen. We've been buried. We, in baptism, we go into the water. Amen. A picture of our death. And we come up. Amen. We're dead in Him. And then our, our old man's dead in Him. But we rise to new life in Him. Amen. And by the way, when the ark came up, what happened? What came and landed upon Noah? The raven went, but the dove came and landed. It's a picture, a really beautiful picture, by the way, of the resurrection. And Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Amen. And it's really interesting because Jesus is our ark. 
And we read in Hebrews eleven seven, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is, a, uh, which is according to faith. We want to get in the ark. Amen? They were hidden in the ark from the wrath of God. We're hidden from the coming wrath of God if we're in Christ. Colossians 3.3 says this, For you have died, and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Amen? For you, uh, you, you were dead, and now your life is hid with Christ in God. That's just amazing. Uh, and by the way, how many doors on the ark? One. One? Jesus said, I am the what? The, I am the door. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen? And I look forward to the special time uh, when the Lord deals with all the wickedness in the world. He says in Numbers 24.20, And he looked at Amalek and took up his discourse and said, This is Balaam, the prophet of a future thing that will take place. Amalek was the first of the nations, but his end shall be destruction. So I encourage those who are Muslims that are siding with Amalek, your end is destruction. You need to repent and get right with Jesus. You need to get in the ark, man. He is the ark. He will save you from your sins. Muhammad didn't die for your sins. Nobody else died for your sins but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you want your, your, your good and bad works weighed before God on the throne of judgment, guess what? You'll be doomed to hell. Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. You're going to perish forever, man. The only way you can have eternal life, the only, only way any of us can have eternal life is by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ who died for all of our sins, including the sins of Muslims, including the sins of all the Arabs and all the Jews and all the Gentiles and everybody on the earth, amen? Because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Arabs descended from Abraham just as the Jews did. The promise of salvation is to anybody who will come, Amen. But we need to know what the Word of God says about the future. And we need to make sure we're right with God. I look forward to the time in Isaiah eleven six 6 when it says, God will create a new heaven and a new earth, it says in Isaiah 66. And 11, 6, it says, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. Wow. Isn't that cool? You can go to a big old lion and just pet it and realize it's not going to just think twice about eating you. The nursing child will play at the hole of the cobra and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. I love Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth for the former things shall not be remembered nor shall they come to mind. And Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4 Every tear will be, there will be no more tears. We wiped away, amen. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more curse, no more pain, amen. amen so it all turns out great if you know Jesus. And it's only if you know Jesus that you know peace with God. Amen. By the way, we're speaking of Hebrew words. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Shalom. We use the word grace a lot as Christians, but the Hebrew uses the word, another word for grace, said, said, but it uses also a word, the word shalom for peace. And by the way, the root of shalom is in the consonants will be S-L-M. Guess where those consonants are? In Islam. But not to make the word peace. Remember George, George Bush Sr. years ago, many of you, some of you weren't even alive maybe then, uh, but he talked about Islam means peace. No, it doesn't. It means submission. And it means submitting to a Christless false god who didn't have a son and submitting to Muslims ultimately in a coming new world order of the Antichrist. We submit to Jesus Christ. Amen? And the worst thing that can happen that you, you know, is really the best thing that can happen. You lose your head. The, 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 a, a lion can swallow your body, but it can't swallow your soul. Amen? And keep in mind that your body's, your, your temporary, your, it's just temporary here, man. And we just want to stand up for the Lord, pray that God gives you grace. I'm not saying everything's going to happen tomorrow because for the Antichrist to come, the temple would have to be rebuilt, right? But guess what? Keep your eyes peeled because things can also happen pretty quick, okay? <laughs> things, things, it's like birth pains, right? Birth pains go, so, you know, oh no, and then it slows down, right? Then they speed up and become more intense. Jesus said it'll be like birth pains of a woman with child, right? And then they become more dense, and it slows down. But 
we're, we're beyond Braxton Hicks, guys, okay? Birth pains are, you know, happening, you know? And then what happens, man, they get closer and closer together, the birth pains. They get more and more intense. And then when you think, oh, okay, that was a tough one. I got some time. Boom, the baby comes. Amen. So keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus said, when you th- see these things begin to come to pass, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. Always look to the Lord. Amen. He is our salvation. Lift up the name of Jesus right now. But share with people some of what you learned tonight. Amen. Praise God. Let's all please stand. Amen. What an awesome God we have. All right. Uh, you know what? The Bible says that when just one person gets saved, you know, the, the, the angels of heaven rejoice, you know. And we should be a praising people. Don't wait to Thanksgiving to give thanks to God. Amen. Let's give Him thanks right now. Let's lift up our voices. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Father, give us more love for you, the one true God, than Muslims have for a false God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Give somebody a big hug. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful day in Jesus, man.